This is Ham College, episode 48 for December 31st, 2018. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM and the soon-to-be-released IC9700. You're going to want to keep this rig on your radar. And by hamstudy.org, a great way to study for your next license exam. Good evening and welcome to the final episode of Ham College for 2018. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And it's good to be back with you again. We almost didn't make it there for a minute, did we? It was a bumpy ride. Be sure to fasten your seatbelts tonight because we can't predict turbulence. Yep. And the uh, stewardess, well, they're not stewardess anymore, are they? Flight attendants. The flight attendants will be passing out peanuts and... And bottled water in a little bit. And barf bags. Barf bags. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe we won't go that far. It's going to be bumpy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, tonight we've got, uh, well, like I say, it's the final episode for this year. That sounds so permanent. Not yet. It's the grand finale of 2018. Okay. I'll go with that. What did we talk about on the last episode? That's a real darn good question. Speech processors, ALC, and beverage antennas, to my recollection. Mm, my mouth's watering just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke from an old episode. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's what we talked about. We're going to, what are we going to talk about tonight? Uh well, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about overmodulation. With that, we yeah. are, and we're going and to talk about a little bit about oscilloscopes. I think. Yeah, a little bit about test equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a little bit about dogs barking. Probably so, and uh, I'm predicting at least a couple of buzzes tonight. You think? It could happen. I mean, now's now's the last opportunity on the end of year closeout here. Yeah, you want to get those buzzers <laughs> in while you can. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, yes, that was a weather dog, Ralph. And um, while it's not raining right now, apparently he's running late. Yeah, because boy, it rained yesterday. Yeah, it's more coming too. We had a flood in the backyard. I've been home. I've been home. All, not all for it, but. Working from home mm-hmm. uh, for three weeks so far. I've still got right at three weeks. And it's rained so many days, man. I've hardly even gotten out to do any of the stuff yeah. I wanted to do outside. I know. So. And apparently I've got problems with my brand new mobile antenna. Yeah. We were talking earlier today. We're trying to. Trying to, yeah. Uh, either that or that uh, 15-year-old rig is finally playing out. I don't know. Mm. Maybe, but Could, I would suspect the antenna you just changed. 
Uh, yeah, probably so. And that's a shame, too, man. That's a brand-new antenna. And that's that wasn't one of the El Cheapos like I usually buy. No, but you know that same model you've got? That's I've had trouble out of that one. Really? Yeah, it's a it's the only one I've ever had that um, that seemed to have a short like inside of the base of it. Hmm. I, I never did. I didn't try taking it apart. I guess I should. I've still got it. Yeah. Um, well, and it's starting to rain again tomorrow, so I probably I don't know when I'll get to it. But yeah, you can unscrew it and bring it inside. Well, I guess so, but then I can't really test it like that, can I? Because how much testing you want to do? Yeah, I need to do some, though. I got all this nice test equipment. I should use it for something. Well, I think we have stalled about long enough. Maybe we could uh, get on into the show now. Oh, there's something we always mention at the top of every show. Yep. The chat room. Join us uh amateurlogic.tv forward slash chat uh, for the chat room and kind of participate along. If you're watching the live stream, uh, there's a nice crowd in there and they kind of answer along as we're going through the questions. And it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of fun. And, you know, we that's where we get a lot of the, the answers sent to us. Not always the right ones. More often than not, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, mo- yeah, mostly... And, uh, yes, uh, Craig, it is a live chat right now, if if you're watching live. If you're watching the recorded version, we can't really talk about that. <laughs> it's this Memorex. Yeah, it's not if you go in there, you might not get any answers. But uh, There's always somebody in that chat room, though. Yeah. I, every once in a while, I just pop on there just to see, and there's always somebody hanging around in there. But are they saying anything? Uh, not with the periods <laughs> that I'm in there. All right, first question tonight. Well, since you're so raring to go, I think I'll ask you this one. Okay. Which of the following is an effect of overmodulation? Is it A, insufficient audio? B, insufficient bandwidth? C, frequency drift? Or D, excessive bandwidth? Okay, this one I think I know. Um, it's not going to be insufficient audio because you got too much. You're overmodulating. It's, it wouldn't be insufficient bandwidth or frequency drift because that's separate. A frequency drift is separate. It's going to be excessive bandwidth. If you overmodulate, and your signal is going to take up too much of the spectrum. He- I'll agree with you, and so does the chat room. And let me say, since we got them on low latency tonight, as soon oh, as it popped quick. up, they yeah, they quick, were just D, D, D. So, uh, yeah, everybody's saying D in there. And, uh, no, we didn't say, uh, wow. uh, someone mentioned in there, you didn't say whether it's AM or FM. Uh, no, because it's sideband. No, we don't really know what it is that's. It doesn't say. You know, this is the question that's on the exam. It doesn't say, but yeah, just about any mode. If you're going to overmodulate it, you're gonna you're gonna be splattering and taking up more bandwidth than you should. Okay, you got one for me. I do. I just so happen to have one right here. Oh, this is a good one for you too. What is meant by the term flat topping when referring to a single sideband phone transmission? A Signal distortion caused by insufficient collector current? 
B, the transmitter's automatic level control, the ALC, is properly adjusted. C, signal distortion caused by excessive drive. Or D, the transmitter's carrier is being properly suppressed. What is meant by the term flat topping when referring to the single side band phone transmission? Signal distortion caused by insufficient collector current. No, I mean, it might not even be a, uh, a transistorized rig. Uh, B, the transmitter's automatic level control is properly adjusted. No, you wouldn't. Flat topping is not a desired characteristic. So we know it's not properly adjusted. C, signal distortion caused by excessive drive. That's a, that's a good choice there. And let's see, D, the transmitter's carrier is properly suppressed. No. Nope, it's going to be C, signal distortion caused by excessive drive. The chat room, well, they were all over that one too there. Yeah, that low latency thing, that's kind of going to take some getting used to because normally after we get through reading the questions, I can look down. And they're just, and starting, they're just to, starting to pop in. And now they're like, every one of them, you know, tons of them already yeah. before we get done. That's what we're talking about. There's uh, uh, some new settings available in the YouTube stream there where we can uh, decrease the latency <clears throat> on the stream so the people watching live are seeing it. Uh, Really, just about as soon as it happens, instead of the normal delay that right. that there would be there. So, I have another low-latency question for you, then. Which of the following can be the result of an incorrectly adjusted speech processor? A. Distorted speech. B. Splatter. C. Excessive background pickup. Or D. All of these choices are correct. Well, distorted speech certainly can. Splatter certainly can. Yeah. Excessive background. The answer's got to be D. All of these choices are correct. And that's what everyone's saying over in the chat room there, and that, that is correct. You'd hear all of those. If somebody had a speech processor really cranked up, it'd be distorted and Mm-hmm. signal would be splattering, and you'd hear every little piece of background noise being sucked up in between your words. What signals are used to conduct a two-tone test? A, two audio signals of the same frequency shifted 90 degrees. B, two non-harmonically related audio signals. C, two swept frequency tones. Or D, two audio frequency range square wave signals of equal amplitude. Boy, let's just analyze those there. What signals are used to conduct a two-tone test? Two audio signals of the same frequency shifted 90 degrees. No. All that would mean is uh, they're canceling each other out a little bit. Uh, B, two non-harmonically related audio signals. That's what I think the answer is. C, two swept frequency tones. No, you don't sweep the frequency. That means you start it, uh, say, like a low frequency, and you're sweeping it up, increasing the frequency. Okay, ramping yeah. it up. Yeah, you don't do that. And D, two audio uh, frequency range square wave signals of equal amplitude. Now, you don't use uh, square waves for that. 
I'm going to say B, two non-harmonically related audio signals. And everybody's getting that right over in the chat room, too. It is B, and the reason you'd use non-harmonically related audio signals, if they were harmonically related, say like 1,000 hertz and 2,000 hertz, some of what you're seeing might be harmonics off one or the other, and you really wouldn't know it. That makes sense. This is cheating, man. <laughs> you just asked me, and I gave you the answer to this I didn't one. know it was coming. <laughs> what type of transmitter performance does a two-tone test analyze? Is it A, linearity? B, percentage of suppression of carrier and undesired sideband for single sideband. C, percentage of frequency modulation. Or D, percentage of carrier phase shift. I'm going to have to go with A on that, Alex. There you go. You know what linearity is? Nope. Okay. Explain Mm. that one to me. Is that on another question coming up? No, I don't think that's on a question. But um, this would kind of explain a linear amplifier, too, almost. It would apply to it. Linearity. Let's say I took uh, an audio amplifier and I ran two tones in it at exactly the same level. Let's say I ran in a 1 kilohertz tone and I ran in a 55 kilohertz tone at the same time, the same exact level. I would then look at the output of that amplifier and see how strong the 1 kilohertz tone was and how strong the uh, 5.5 kilohertz tone was. And if they're the same level, it's the amplifier is linear. But if it is rolled off and the 5.5 kilohertz signal is lower, then it's, you know, it's, it's not really linear, you know, because it's not passing what's coming in at the same it's level. Alternate. Yeah. It's, well, it's rolled off, you know, it just, just doesn't have the bandpass. And that's what we want a linear amplifier to do. Um, if we put a signal in, we want it to be passed without being modified. We want the same that signal that we put on the input to come out the output just stronger. So there's a cheap explanation of linearity. I'm sure Emil would be proud. Oh, yeah. It didn't cost anything. Well, that was good. That's interesting. I've I've seen the term before, but I I didn't know what it meant. That's that's pretty much what it means. You know, it was a big deal when I was working in television back in the old uh, NTSC days because a television signal is 5 megahertz wide. Mm -hmm. And if you don't tune that TV amplifier just right, or the the transmitter, you'll have all kinds of problems. I mean, it's got to be tuned linearly because if you've got roll-off on it, you know, the colors could be washed out or, or um, you know, all kind of artifacts in the picture. Mm-hmm. So uh, with 5 megahertz, it's a little chore to keep that linear with an old tube type. Yeah, I could imagine. And as a matter of fact, I never could tune that transmitter right my boss would always have to go back the next morning and touch it up to get really? it, <laughs> to get it, um, you know, back where it should be again. 
Uh, All right. Nigel's in the chat room. Oh, he is. Hi, Nigel. Hey, Nigel. He's, wait a minute. He's already passed the exam, hasn't he? Nigel? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got he's got a UK and a... That's US what I'm talking about. Technology. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next question here. Uh, I read this one. Yeah. What What is the modulation envelope of an AM signal? A, the waveform created by connecting the peak values of the modulated signal. B, the carrier frequency that contains the signal. C, spurious signals that envelop nearby frequencies. Or D, the bandwidth of the modulated signal. I'm going to say this is a toughie, and you should have given me the answer immediately before asking the question. Like I did for you. Yeah, that would have been the nice thing for me to do. What is the modulation envelope of an AM signal? Well, I know what it looks like because I've seen it plenty of times on the scope. But this this is um, the correct answer on this one. I never would have. It's not the way I would have explained it. Uh, they're all saying A over in the chat room. The ones yeah. who are answering. There's a lot of cowards in there that are not throwing out an answer. Yeah, there are not so. nearly as many answers on that one as there have been on some of the other ones. No. Um, what is the modulation envelope of an AM signal? A, the waveform created by connecting the peak values to the modulation signal or modulated signal. B, the carrier frequency that contains a signal. No, that is the carrier. That's not the modulation envelope. That's just the carrier part of it. Modulation is added to that. Uh, C, spurious signals that envelop nearby frequencies. No, that's not part of your modulation envelope. That's just junk that you created in the process, which you don't want. B, the bandwidth of the modulated signal. And you would almost think that was it, but no, it's A, the waveform created by connecting the peak values of the modulated signal. How would you explain that to someone, Dean? I think you're going to have to draw a picture. I got some paper and a pen right here. Yeah, I don't know if how you to want, draw it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the oscilloscope around here anywhere you can show it on? Well, I do, but I don't happen to have an AM transmitter sitting right here. Where'd it go? Well, I, I put, put it up it, when it, it back up. we there decided it wouldn't here. show what I wanted to show. Uh, that might have shown what you didn't want to show. It would have done that, that's for sure. Um, Gee. You're the you, professor. I'm yeah. just the dean of admissions. Yeah, and I wish you wouldn't ask me to do any explaining this early in the show. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see the little bitty waves there are the carrier, and then the outer waveform, that's the audio that's been superimposed on it, or, or that is modulating stuff. it. Yep. A lot better explanation than than my drawing was producing there. Oh, come on. Don't say yourself short. It was pretty good. Got the point across. It did. But just just tell me now, did that really look... Look exactly like that to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then. 
I'm not even sure whose turn it is now. Um, it's your turn to read one for me. Because you just did that one. All right. What item of test equipment contains horizontal and vertical channel amplifiers? Is it A, an ohm meter? Or B, a signal generator? A, an ammeter? You mean that was C, an ammeter? Or D, an oscilloscope? What, hmm. what item of test equipment contains horizontal and vertical channel amplifiers? Well, I just so happen to think that that one is a D in a oscilloscope. Hmm, I've never seen one in an ohm meter. A horizontal and vertical channel amplifiers? Yeah. No. And I've never seen one in an ammeter. No. And hmm. I'm pretty sure my little cheap signal generator doesn't have them either. I'd say there's a good chance it doesn't. So it's going to be a D in a oscilloscope. D. So you're saying it's D. So I'm saying it's D. I take I take D in a oscilloscope for 200, Alex. You got it there. Oh, we I'll give you that one. Out. That one was was easy. I should have picked a a tougher one for you. But here, let me see what I I'll give you an easy one this time. You know, are we already over? There the might be some. Some folks, no, we're not there yet, but we are at the point where we're going to have to reload our our steels here. But I, I'm just thinking, you know, some people who are not yet amateurs or haven't really dabbled in electronics may not really be familiar with an oscilloscope. Yeah, that's a possibility. And, you know, I just happened to keep one handy at all times. Just so happen to have one in your pocket? I do. Just so happen to have one right here. Well, that was convenient. That was convenient, wasn't it? I just happened to have a camera pointed at it. It's just all the, all the pieces just falling right into place. Almost like it was planned. Almost. Well, if it ever gets booted up here, we'll see. There's an oscilloscope right there. Let's put some tones into it. Guess we ought to turn it down where we're not really uh, distorting it. Yeah. And this thing's got, would you believe, a vertical and a horizontal amplifier in it? No. Say it isn't so. It's so. <laughs> it's so. Right here is the vertical input of it. We're running an audio tone into there that... Uh, this happens to be 750 ohms. Okay. And we see a sine wave here. That's the vertical input to the scope. Now, usually, there's also a horizontal input on here. That it, that's not used as much. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really not. Um, so we're seeing our vertical signal go like this. It's going up and down. The horizontal is what's going across this way. Well, in in most applications of your oscilloscope, what you're actually doing is tapping off uh, a little bit of the signal coming here on the vertical input, and you're using it with the horizontal circuit here so that it's locked to the frequency that's coming in. Now, if it gets unlocked, you know, you could have uh, 
things like, well, like that signal starts moving around and it won't sit still. But when you run it in the, some of that signal into the horizontal input, it will, it'll lock in there and sit still where you can see that, that wave. And you can even zoom on in by adjusting the horizontal frequency there and get it down to where you're seeing a single wave or, you know, just a portion of it or multiple waves at once. Now, the horizontal input would be if we wanted to use some other signal to, to drive the horizontal of the display here rather than what's coming in for our vertical. There are cases where you'd want to do that. I don't have a good one to explain here today. But on, on most older scopes, there will be also a horizontal input on there somewhere. So you can do that if you want to. It's not done as much, but it is done for specific measurements. On more modern digital scopes like this, it can just use one of the other vertical inputs to be a horizontal input. Oh. So that's the reason I don't have a separate one on there. But uh, that's just a sine wave on an oscilloscope right there. You know, since I've got this scope sitting here, we might want to use it for something else in a minute. Okay. So I think I'll leave it sitting there. It is a handy tool. It is to very it. handy and tool. And the prices come down on them a lot, too. So, you know, if you, they're, they're... Well, yeah. I mean, back when I was in college, well, they didn't have digital technology like mm -hmm. this at, for scopes yet. If they had, you know... That thing would have probably cost as much as your house. Oh, yeah. Everything that it can do. And today, a few hundred bucks, you know, just depending on how much, you know, bandwidth you want on it. Yeah. And how many features. Now, I've still got my old Tektronics oscilloscope up there. Yeah, I see it. It's got a lot more knobs than this one. Yeah, it must be better. Some things. <laughs> really? Seriously, there's a difference between analog and a digital scope. Yeah. Analogs, some things look nicer on it. I almost pulled it out. Maybe one day in the future we'll pull it out and we'll use it. Okay. That'd you can cool. probably even see the screen flicker on it where you don't don't really notice it on the digital one here when you've got a camera pointed at it. But, uh, yeah, I, I kept my old scope, too, because... Some stuff is just good yeah, for I actually you. pulled mine out today to look for a hum in my audio line. Did you, fi camera. Did you find it? I didn't find it. I found out what frequency it was. That's, you know, you can do that on an oscilloscope. Well, I shouldn't even get sidetracked on this. But if you know the time that you, you've got the horizontal set for on the scope here how many milliseconds or microseconds you can count the the distance of a a wave there and you can calculate out the frequency mm -hmm. and that's how you used to have to do it but on these more modern scopes a lot of them and this one does too yeah, has the frequency counter built in yeah. it it just calculates that out yeah so it is very very handy piece of equipment to have if I could only have one piece of test equipment out on Gilligan's Island, though, it's still going to be an uh, analog voltometer. Oh, yeah. Yep. I could get by with a digital one. But a scope, that, that'd be further down the list. It'd yeah, be the second. It, yeah. I've used my, I use my voltometer quite a lot. My oscilloscope I bought, I've used it uh, 
four or five times probably since I bought it. But there, I mean, you just paid for it when you troubleshot that $30 microphone <laughs> you know, and figure out what, what frequency the ripple was. <laughs> yeah. It's still the problem is it's still there. Yeah, well, I just know what frequency it is. You just didn't turn the right knob yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back in just a moment, but um, first, let's get a message from our sponsor, ICOM. Listen up, Hams. Soon, ICOM will be releasing the new IC9700. It's the latest transceiver bringing direct sampling and software-defined receiver technology to the VHF and UHF arena. You're going to want to keep this rig on your radar. The IC9700 is packed with features including all-mode tri-band covering 144, 430, 440, as well as 1200 MHz, center design style 4.3-inch color touchscreen, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. Smooth satellite operation with normal reverse tracking and 99 satellite channels. D-Star providing digital clear audio and internet-capable communications. Digital data mode providing 128 kilobits per second data communications. Look for the new IC9700 coming soon. Attention all hams. ICOM knows that ham clubs play a big role in bringing ham communities together to learn from their peers and industry leaders. As a way to give back and help you on your mission, ICOM has launched a promotion exclusively for U.S. ham clubs and the ham fest they're involved with. By registering your club, you could win ICOM swag, a Skype presentation for your club, or your ham fest and ICOM booth setup. Register today for your chance to win at icomamerica.com slash hams. You know, every episode of Ham College, we've got something to give away. Every time. Never gets old either. Never gets old. That's Ham Crew Icom t-shirt. Look just as good going to the Ham Fest as you will leaving going home. And a nice Icom ball cap. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and continue on. Here, I'll model the cap and the shirt. Hold on a minute. Let me put the shirt on. And I will draw a lucky winner. Anyway, I finally got me uh, another one of these I mentioned before. And uh, I should have worked tonight. I started to. Um, anyway, good, nice, high, heavy-duty T-shirt. And a good cap. You know, I actually had an Alabama cap in my truck, and I took it out, and I put uh, my Icon cap in there. So that's my sole cap I use now. It is. Trying to think, is that an ICOM cap? I think it may be an ICOM cap in my there you my go. truck, but it's the old well, model. If it's not, it should be. It's it's not the one with the gray. This the snazzy new two tone model there. Yeah, yeah, these are nice. They're good heavy duty caps. Okay, we've got a lucky winner here from amongst those who drew or who entered. Did you tell them how to enter? No, I didn't. If you want to enter for the drawing for next month, send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. And basically all you need is a name. You don't have to be a, a licensed ham or anything. Just uh, all you need is a name and an email address. And um, So uh, anyway, if you email. If you emailed 
and got into one of the previous drawings, the, your name does not carry over. So if you want to enter again for the next month, be sure to send those emails back in each month. Yeah. Um, so you can get added back to the to the uh, drawing. Yep. And this month's lucky winner is Gary Lindsay, W7MIN. All right. Congrats, Gary. And Gary actually put a message in here. It's, it says, I enjoy the show. I well, appreciate it. We enjoy, we enjoy doing it. Yep. And, uh, and thanks to all who entered. And uh, to those who didn't, go right now or go after the show, hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv, the email. And you might be next month's lucky winner. Yep, a very good chance. You could have your name read right here on Ham College. That's a pretty big honor. That mean, <laughs> you know, not only do you get the hat and the shirt. And you get the notoriety, notori- notoriety. notoriety of it as well. So anyway, be sure to enter and uh, get your, put your uh, name in the hat to win the hat and the shirt. Thanks for ICOM for sponsoring the show and, and providing those shirts yeah. and caps for everyone. Thanks, ICOM. Well, before we get into the questions, I do just happen to have an oscilloscope handy here. Who would have figured it? And we mentioned something earlier. One of those questions said something about flat topping. I don't remember what that question was now, but it might be in that stack of papers that you've got right there in front of you. Yeah. What What is meant by the term flat topping when referring to a single sideband phone transmission? All right. Well, this this is not a single sideband phone transmitter right here. This is an audio oscillator, but it's the only thing I got handy that's well, connected. Is that upper there. sideband or lower sideband? Double sideband. Double suppressed carrier. No, it is just an audio oscillator. I was just going to try to show maybe, and this is not exact either, what flat topping would look like. Say if your audio signal going in. Look like this, but what you were getting out on the air looked like that. Drop it down there a little bit. It's flat on the end. It's not round anymore. Well, that's that's flat topping. This is just a real ugly square wave here coming out of this cheap oscillator. But, uh, but it would be similar. It would be kind, similar. Kind of similar. Except this is an audio signal and not a, not a single sideband transmission, but... You get the idea. Instead of being nice and rounded on the ends or uh, facsimile of what went in, you chopped it off and it's flat now. This is sine sine wave. Looks like a normal sine wave, but the tops, instead of being rounded, they're just... They'd be flat. If it was a sound wave you were feeding in, if you're feeding in your voice or something like that, that's a complex waveform. It's um, the wave is a lot more complicated than just a sine wave. It's got peaks and valleys and all in it, but you would notice that it would just go out so far and then it'd just be flat on the ends. So same same basic effect there. We'll leave this here in case we need it in a minute. I'm not sure if we will or not, though okay. we could. Yeah, who knows? It's handy. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. 
I think I ask you the last question. Okay. Which of the following is an advantage of an oscilloscope versus a digital voltmeter? A, an oscilloscope uses less power. B, complex impedances can be easily measured. C, input impedance is much lower. Or D, complex waveforms can be measured. And I'm surprised. Oh, there come the answers in the chat room right there. Uh, they're not coming in too fast, though. But they're all saying D, which is what what I would say, or what I am saying. An oscilloscope versus a digital voltmeter. Well, all you can do with a digital voltmeter is measure a voltage. You can tell the amplitude of the voltage, but you can't tell anything about the waveform if it is, um, you know, an AC voltage or a really nasty, I guess, DC voltage with noise on it. You can see the voltage. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, with an oscilloscope, you know, we just looked at one here. And we can see what the waveform actually looks like. Across, uh, across time. Across time. So an oscilloscope uses less power. Not true at all. It uses more power. B, complex impedances can be easily measured. No, I didn't see a SWR setting on it. Or an impedance setting. I mean, you could use it with some other equipment and like, uh, determine impedance, but not easily. Uh, C, input impedance is much lower. No, uh, typically the input impedance of a scope is much higher. Why would you even care what the impedance was of a scope or a piece of test equipment? If it was low, when you hook that piece of test equipment up across your signal, you'll be loading that signal. It'll actually have some effect on what's generating the signal. If it's got a high impedance, like an oscilloscope, then... The piece of equipment you're trying to measure doesn't really realize that you you've hooked on to it. It still functions yeah. the same, so it's definitely not a lower impedance. D complex waveforms can be measured, and as a matter of fact, we just talked about uh, waveforms and speech being more complex. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see speech at all on a digital voltmeter. I could see the voltage going up and down, but I couldn't see you know the nuances of the the waveform like a can with an oscilloscope. So it's D. Complex waveforms can be measured. Cool. Which of the following is the best instrument to use when checking the keying waveform of a CW transmitter? A, an oscilloscope. B, a field strength meter. C, a side tone monitor. Or D, a wave meter. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to have to go straight to A in the oscilloscope on this one. So we're, we're looking at the waveform. And uh, checking the key in the waveform of a CW transmitter. So that's, uh, out of those, that's, uh, I don't know what a wave meter is, but a rest, that's the only tool on there I see that's possible to even see a waveform at all on. Yeah, a field strength meter wouldn't, you no. couldn't really check a waveform with, nor... No. Nor a side tone monitor. You might think a wave meter, but uh, no, a wave meter, I think, uh, more or less measures frequency. So uh, I'm going to agree with you. It's uh, A, an oscilloscope. 
Everyone in the chat room's agreeing with you too. You got that one. Huh. That close. Yep. What signal source is connected to the vertical input of an oscilloscope when checking the RF envelope pattern of a transmitted signal? A, the local oscilloscope, I'm sorry, A, the local oscillator of the transmitter. B, the external RF oscillator. C, the transmitter balanced mixer output. D, the attenuated RF output of the transmitter. <clears throat> What signal source is connected to the vertical input of an oscilloscope when checking the RF envelope pattern of the transmitted signal? Hmm. Well, if I want to look at the RF envelope pattern of a transmitted signal using an oscilloscope, I really wouldn't care uh, about looking at the local oscillator or an external RF oscillator. I mean, that's external. That wouldn't have anything to do with my transmitted signal. Um, the balanced mixer output really wouldn't help me much. What I want to see is the output of the transmitter, and i got to attenuate it. I don't want to take, you know, a kilowatt and run it straight into my oscilloscope and burn it up. Mm -hmm. I want that signal to be attenuated down to something my oscilloscope can handle, so I'm going to say it's D, and that's that's what they're all saying yeah, in the chat room. I think so. Yeah. There you go. Here, I'll give you one of those. I hadn't gave you one of those yet. Okay, I was just thinking I was overdue one. You were. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Time to go home. Now, that means we're going to change subjects. Not really a whole lot, but we're going to get into our electronics what we call the electronics questions of the show here. Okay. And we're going to take a little break while I get those together and swap out the test equipment we've got here. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbean, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org 
to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. It's not too late to make dessert. Never too late anymore, because now the Jell-O family of famous desserts brings you new Jell-O instant pudding that needs no cooking. Just add to milk and beat in minutes. This terrific new busy day dessert is ready to eat. Creamy, nourishing, so delicious. And so quick, you can make it just before dessert time while the children are clearing the table. Or let the children make it themselves. It's that easy. New Jell-O Instant Puddings are at your grocer's now. Stock up with a terrific new busy day dessert. New Jell-O Instant Puddings. With the success of the recent Apollo space flights, Man has been brought another step closer to the moon. Aboard these manned Apollo flights, three astronauts, and with them, Tang. Tang, the energy breakfast drink with rich natural flavor and more vitamin C than orange juice. Still, Tang's biggest role isn't in NASA's space program. It's right here on Earth. In a world of fun and fantasy and ever-changing views, and computer terminology Commodore's news Are you keeping up with the Commodore? Cause the Commodore is keeping up with you Are you keeping up with the Commodore? Cause the Commodore is keeping up with you up the best ever deals for our biggest ever boxing weekend sale. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you'll save 15 to 40% of a massive range of products and brands store-wide. Dick Smith's biggest ever boxing weekend sale. Must end Sunday. Don't miss out. This is one I should ask you. I should probably ask you all the rest of them if we're looking. Since I typed them in here, you know, we've got a better <laughs> better chance. Did of, you get the buzzer? The buzzer. Maybe. Uh, maybe not. Which of the following must be connected to an antenna analyzer when it is being used for SWR measurements? A, a receiver. B, a transmitter. C, antenna and feed line. Or D, all these choices are correct. Well, all these choices are not correct. So it's not D. Which To the antenna analyzer for SWR. We're not talking about just connecting just checking the swr so you don't really have to have a receiver or transmitter for that because the antenna the swr analyzer will act as the transmitter 
<laughs> so all, point. Yeah. all we need is C, antenna, and feed line. So I'm saying the answer is C. So you're saying an antenna analyzer would anal- analyze antennas. I know. It's, cra- it's crazy as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what most of them are saying over in the chat room, and I agree. As a matter of fact, you know, somebody who's not a ham yet, there's a good chance they've never seen an antenna analyzer. That's a good, yeah, it's a good chance. It's a good chance when they see one of them, they're going to want one of them, too. It is, and, you know, I should have actually had an antenna here so that we could demonstrate it. Go get the one off your truck we need to check. Well, yeah. Maybe I should just bring my <laughs> truck in here. <laughs> I think this was this one's got batteries. This in it. was my most coveted piece of gear that I that I wanted when, when I first, first was a ham, and it, with the exception of a new radio, you know, radio. But. And if you're like me, you didn't get one. No, right I, off. Di- I didn't get one, but I wish I would have. And this, so what this has got on see it? See the screen there. Right, well, the meters are pegged out here, and uh, the because you got a high SWR running out. Well, it's greater than 25 so yeah it's not that good <laughs> um you hook and an, your transmission line here that goes to your antenna and you adjust the frequency you're interested in and you can see right here the swr uh you can also see the impedance of it and it'll give you the uh, impedance and reactance or the resistance and reactance, excuse me, right up here on the digital display. So you get a lot of information right there on that antenna you're trying to measure. Now, before before we had these, and this one is MFJ uh, two six. This is a two fifty nine. Yeah, I think it's a two fifty nine. You got C. the you got the two sixty nine. Uh, I think I got a two fifty nine B. 259B, okay. And this is the C. All right. And so this is one of the most popular antenna analyzers ever made, and it's one of the the first, uh, a newer revision of it. Uh, Here's another one right here. This is an MFJ225. This one I don't don't have batteries in it right now because I don't leave them in there because it's not something you use every day, and I don't want the batteries to go bad in there and corrode up my... It's not something Test you equipment. use every day, but when you need it, you, it's a you good thing it. to have. Now, it does the same things that that other analyzer does, except it has a graph on it so you can see the SWR over a frequency range. So it's a, it's a I like looking at it this way, graphically. That's, yeah, me too. That's my preferred Because you can basically method. sweep your the whole band that your antenna mm-hmm. covers and make sure that you know, yeah. where, where you're good and where you're not. Yeah, and you can see where your antenna is resonant mm-hmm. easier. You can do it now. No problem doing it on the other one. It's just going to take a little bit longer. So these are pretty nice. Before we had that, well, we were old school. We were using SWR meters, and this is the first SWR meter I ever owned. This is an old Pace CB. Yeah, I used to have one exactly like that. I haven't seen it in about... 40 years, though. Yeah, this one was from... I probably got this one in the mid-70s. Yeah, that's about so when I would have had mine. It's got some age on it. So we can see our forward power and 
through some wizardry of flipping switches and adjusting knobs, we can read the SWR with that. But we've got to put our transmitter in and hook our antenna and feed line on the other side. You can, you can check your antenna with this. You can't check it as fast or as easy as you can with an antenna analyzer, though. But if you can only get, you know, this is a lot less expensive. This is probably where you're going to start out. Maybe not with a CB watt meter by pace, because I don't even know that they're still in business. But no. um, you probably, good chance you'll start out with some kind of watt meter, SWR meter combination. And... You know, when you're ready to invest a little more, go to an antenna analyzer. Yeah, well, this this is set up to cover one band. This covers, uh, well, a, yeah, a, a wide range. Yeah, but now this is just for a CB. If you yeah. if you bought, went out and bought a HF watt meter or a VHF watt meter, it's it's probably going to cover the band you're interested in. Yeah. So, guess you asked me this one. Okay. What problem can occur when making measurements on an antenna system? with an antenna analyzer. A, permanent damage to the analyzer may occur if it's operated into a high SWR. B, strong signals from nearby transmitters can affect the accuracy of measurements. C, the analyzer can be damaged if measurements outside of the ham bands are attempted. Or D, connecting the analyzer to the antenna can cause it to absorb harmonics. You think you know the answer to that one? Uh, I can, yeah, I think so. Okay. Is it the okay. same one everybody thinks it is in the chat room? Yes. No, oh, well, then no, no possibility of a buzzer there. Then <clears throat> not on that one. It's B. Strong signals from nearby transmitters can affect the accuracy of the measurement. So. Yeah, if you're using an antenna analyzer, you're operating down at such a low signal level, because you don't need much signal level, that if there's another transmitter in the vicinity on a nearby frequency, you're going to pick it up on that antenna. It's going to get into the analyzer and throw your readings off. Yeah. Although I've, I've never seen that happen, but it's a possibility. Y yeah, it, it can happen, and... Um, AM broadcast, sort of like HF. You know, it's down uh, pretty low frequencies there, although it's the uh, the medium medium frequency, medium Any waves. Way? Yep. We had an uh, antenna system over here that I've got one of my AM stations located on. There are three AM stations on this one tower. There's this huge conglomeration of uh, matching devices, combiners, um, antenna networks that three different five kilowatt transmitters run into, and it all comes out one spigot and goes to a tower. Oh, wow. Without one interfering with the other. It's very expensive. It, I mean, very, very expensive to set up. And we had to have a consultant come in and spend like a week and a half tuning it, set it up. Wow. He brought a lot of test equipment with him. Essentially, uh, stuff similar to what an antenna analyzer would do. There's another station down the road about two miles from that site. Mm -hmm. 
So how could he measure it on that tower with another AM station nearby without it affecting his Yeah, that'd be tough. Because that other station you're talking about used to come in on my telephone back when we had landlines. Yep. Yeah, it used to come in on mine, too. Of course, I lived there. But Yeah. <laughs> um, an ingenious solution there to it. He had an amplifier, 100-watt amplifier, that he would run his a- analyzer, the, the um, signal generator for his analyzer through. Oh. So he was sending 100 watts up that tower, and so it was that was strong enough that the other signal down the road wasn't interfering with what so he, he was trying to measure. He had his own private measure. key down contest on the Basically. antenna analyzer. Yep. So uh, that that's how you do it. You, just, you run more signal by the antenna analyzer. You're running a tiny little bit of signal because that's yeah. all you need. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That's a, that's a good solution. Strong signals from nearby transmitters can affect the accuracy of measurements. I will right. say we haven't heard the buzzer yet, yet. But but I will say the questions have been actually pretty interesting tonight to me. They have. They've been a lot more um, toward technical and electronics. Yeah. And, and radio type of stuff. So why don't you try me? Okay, here's one for you. What is a use for an antenna analyzer other than measuring the SWR of an antenna system? A, measuring the front-to-back ratio of an antenna. B, measuring the turns ratio of a power transformer. C, determining the impedance of an unknown or unmarked coaxial cable. And D, determining the gain of a directional antenna. Hmm. I wasn't really paying attention when you asked the question, so I better read over it again before I answer. What is the use for an antenna If you don't read it, we might get a buzzer. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) What is the use for an antenna analyzer other than measuring the SWR of an antenna system? Measuring the front-to-back ratio of an antenna? Can't do that. B, measuring the turns ratio of a power transformer. No, I don't think it can do that. D, determining the gain of a directional antenna. No, it doesn't know anything about gain. C, determining the impedance of an unknown or unmarked coaxial cable. I'm going to say it's C. And that's what they're saying in the chat room. As a matter of fact, in a couple of recent episodes of Ham Nation, I did a demo of exactly that. Determining the impedance of a cable using an antenna analyzer. And so it is C. And and what I what I was trying to do is the first video I showed on there one week was one where I was using this antenna analyzer right here that I had I had shot that video for Amateur Logic several years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I replayed it on Ham Nation and you know, showed how you could measure the impedance of an unknown cable. And I I wondered could you do that with another analyzer? Because I had some some uh, analyzers like this that have graphs on them, you know, uh-huh. uh, a graphing type analyzer, and their instructions didn't tell 
how you could check the impedance of coax. Oh, interesting. So I used the same procedure on them, and I found out in most every case you could. That worked. I only found one analyzer that it didn't really pan out on. But out of like five I tried, four of them could do it. Oh, interesting. So, so that was interesting. Yep, uh, I did that on Ham Nation, Dennis. Uh, let's it see. was on Amateur Logic years ago. Oh, yeah, it was. It was a long time ago. I it, remember that. It's mm-hmm. just been so long, I can't remember when it was. It was like magic. Yeah. To me at that time. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more you can do with antenna analyzers, and we're probably going to be looking at some more of them. Cool. Which of the following instruments may be used to monitor relative RF output when making antenna and transmitter adjustments? A, a fill-strength meter. B, an antenna noise bridge. C, a multimeter. Or D, a Q-meter. Relative RF output when making antenna and transmitter adjustments. Well, I'm going I'm to have to go... It's not a multimeter... It's not a noise bridge, and it's not it's not a Q-meter. It's going to be a field strength meter. So it's, you're saying it's A. I'm saying it's A right there. And wait a minute. That's, what that's an about. SWR meter. It's also a field strength meter. Oh, it is. Yeah, well, that's what yep. the antenna's here for. Well, that is what it's for. Yep. You can get it near, near the transmitter output mm-hmm. the antenna. Well... Yeah. Oh, you got the wrong. Get it near the antenna, or you know, in a certain range of it, where it can pick it up, and you can actually measure the output. So, so you could use this to measure uh, basically front to back ratio of your beam, or or the pattern mm-hmm. of your antenna. And so you forth. could check various antennas. Yeah. With it, as a matter of fact, this this little meter right here came with the fill strength meter built into it. It was a simple affair. It didn't really run up the price of it any. And a lot of meters of that vintage mm-hmm. had had that built in there. But it, like you say, you got to be kind of near yeah, you for it to pick it up. Yeah, you got to be pretty close for it to work. Yep. And that's why it says relative. Well, one of my um, AM stations, it's 50 kilowatt AM station is as high you know power as you can have on AM in the US. At night it has to reduce power and go directional so that because you know we got skyway mm-hmm. issues on AM at night and we're protecting other stations to the north so we have to switch in three towers and a directional array, turn our power down to like five hundred watts and aim that radiation coming from that station in a particular direction that there's no other station, so we're not interfering with anybody. So it's a very expensive proposition because you got to have, in this case, three towers. You could could do it with two towers. You get certain patterns out of it, but what we needed was going to take three towers to pull off. Some stations may use six or more to do that. You have to check your front-to-back ratio and the coverage of that, where it's going. So what instrument would you use to do that? A field strength field meter. strength meter. But I can't do it with this one. No, probably, and you're probably going to have to get a little bit farther out than you would use that one. You are. 
And so we do use a fill strength meter, and I had to buy one about, it was either two or three years ago for work because we needed one that we could take those measurements with and have on hand there for doing it. It wasn't just like they stuck an extra diode and a whip antenna on the <laughs> WR meter. It was about 15 grand. Oh, wow. But it is precision calibrated instrument. Probably one of the best AM radios in the world, too. Because that's all it is, is AM so radio with a loop. I guess you would use that in conjunction maybe with a GPS? It had the GPS built in it. Oh, okay. So I could actually go out and find the exact spot I was supposed to be standing to take that measurement. Oh, that's cool. Which, you know, not too many years have you been able to do that. You had to take out topographical maps and draw radials and stuff and figure out exactly where you needed to be standing. Yeah. And you can just walk out with a GPS and be right there if you got 15 grand. Well, let's Nothing see. Nothing little money can't take care of. No, nope. it wasn't my money. Or a lot of it. Yeah. Well, let's see what we got next here. Okay. We never answered that one, so. Oh, well, you I did, did, but I we did. didn't. We didn't okay. flash it up there. Let's see if we've got any questions remaining tonight. You know. We ought to be getting near the end. We're getting pretty close to it. Which of the following can be determined with a field strength meter? A, the radiation resistance of an antenna. B, the radiation <clears throat> pattern of an antenna. C, the presence and amount of phase distortion of a transmitter. Or D, the presence and amount of amplitude distortion of a transmitter. What can be determined with a field strength meter? Well, it can't determine the radiation resistance of an antenna. You'd come closer to doing that with an antenna analyzer or something like that. Um, D, the presence and amount of amplitude distortion in a transmitter. Can't really measure distortion with it, so it can't do C either. Can't determine the presence and amount of phase distortion. But, as I was just talking about a minute ago, it can measure the radiation pattern of an antenna by moving around, checking your signal. Mm -hmm. You can take that and plot that out on a chart and see exactly where your signal's going. Yep. So, And most everybody got that over in the chat room there. We did have some say D. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you could do D with it, so it would be B. No, we didn't. They said little b instead of capital B. Oh. Nobody said well, I was D. I trying to figure out okay. who said D. Yeah, because I, I looked at the people that said it, and I said, no, those guys know the answer. So, yeah, it's, it's B. Well, I think that's all the questions we had tonight. And no buzzer. We made it through the whole year without getting a buzzer. Not the whole year. We made it through the rest of the year. That sounds better <laughs> like that. Well, it does. It's not really the truth. And, you know, here at Amateur Logic and Ham College, we're all about we're the truth. We're always seeking the truth. Or as close to it as we can get. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we skirt around the edges a little bit, but but that's that's our aim. Yeah. Right we there. try to shoot it straight here. We do. So, Tommy, did you get everything for Christmas you wanted this year? Actually, I did. What did you get? 
Well, I, actually, I could have used another shirt. Uh, you could have. Yeah, uh, yeah, another uh, amateur logic shirt. Well, you're in luck. Uh, oh, <laughs> look at that. Yeah. I, I got everything but that, and I was kind of disappointed. You know, I didn't get that either. Yeah. I guess we're going to just have to go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get our own. We can get, what, a hats? Uh, there's hats, even. jackets, sweatshirts. There's, uh, there's Amateur Logic and Ham College swag on there. Yeah, I think this time of year you might want that Ham College sweatshirt. And I thought about tonight yeah, wearing too. that, but it's just, it's you know. Border, it's just borderline. It's just, yeah, on, it's a little uh, too warm tonight for a sweatshirt down maybe here. Maybe next month. Uh, maybe next week. Yeah, well, we won't be doing a Ham College next next <clears> week. But uh, but uh, anyway, go to the amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get yours. And if you if you do send your pictures in, we've been showing uh, people with the swag swag mm -hmm. pictures and the traveling hat and so forth over on uh, Amateur Logic. So send yours in too. Those are those are really fun. Yeah, we'd like to see them. Um, you said something there, and I had a catchy phrase to go with it. Well, let's hear it. Well, I don't remember it. What it was it even went, about huh? now? I know. <laughs> I know what I was going to say, but I just don't remember why. We're going to be celebrating New Year's right here. Well, I'm going we to be right here. You're going to be... I'm going to be on the other side of town. But but we're going to be doing it nevertheless. But we're going to be doing it together. Yep. And we're going to have some uh, friends in with us uh, right here, live.amateurlogic.tv, New Year's Eve, starting at... 8 p.m. Central, 0200 UTC. We're going to be celebrating uh, New Year's Eve. We don't know exactly what we're going to do yet. So it'll be just like business as usual. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be uh, uh, Dean Martin here and myself, and I think we're going to have Mike, VE3MIC, join us, and uh, Dan, N9LVS, and... Uh, I believe Amanda and Jeff. Amanda and Jeff. Here. Amanda, the chat room queen from <laughs> the chat room Ham queen. Nation. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then, then probably and some others. Some, probably some others. We we haven't heard back from everybody yet. And I've, I've got a few here that I haven't uh, been in touch with yet. But um, but it should be a good time, though. Yeah. I've seen some of the stuff. Yeah, that, you uh, have. have so. Yep. Uh, matter of fact, matter of fact, I, I laughed and laughed. I haven't laughed that hard in a, in a long time. You know that was some pretty <laughs> funny stuff. It was very funny. So anyway, you'll have to tune in to see it. And you know, anytime you got VE three MIC involved in Gonna something be some like laughter. this, yep, hilarity will ensue. Yeah, Nigel says he'll join us. Yeah, join us. Yeah, come on. Uh. O two hundred UTC, Nigel. So, yeah. So of course it'll you won't get to see it till next year. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And Peter won't be with us this year from down under. He's I think he's gotta work that day. Oh yeah? Yeah. That's no fun. No, that's no fun. It's a four letter word. Yeah. Anyway, we we're gonna have a few maybe highlights from the past years, thing that that some of our favorite segments, but it's that's not what the show is. I mean, it's not really just a, a rerun 
No, 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 not at all. Yeah, it's uh, it should it just should be a good time. Just come come drop in and, and check it out. I think you'll like it. Yep. Uh, I didn't get to attend the last one, but uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to it too. It, it's going to be a fun time. Well, I guess that's going to do it for tonight. On the way out the door, a couple of things we do want to mention. Number one. Yep, you can find us on the social networks at uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash amateurlogic.tv. We also have a ham college group on there. We do. Um, It's not very active, but it it is there. It is there. Uh, We've got the Google Plus pages. The community is remaining. I think April is when Google's planning on shutting down the communities now. So uh, we'll have it there to then. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter, two different addresses. At Amateur Logic and at Ham College. We also have a an Instagram account, but it's mostly only used dur- during Ham Fest and, and things like that. But if you want to see some pictures posted from some of the things we attend from time to time, uh, join us over there as yep. well. And we still got the wiki out there. As we, matter of fact, just did a little updating on it. Uh, friend Dan in 9LVS helps us with that. AmateurLogic.tv slash wiki. You can get the Amateur Logic and Ham College uh, wiki show notes there and links that we mentioned in some of the episodes and such. Yep. yep. If you uh, if you want to go back and reference some of the older shows, that's the uh, first place to go to search mm-hmm. there and see if you can find it. That's, that's it. That's what we do. All right. Um Gee, I guess that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, that's going to do it for the year. Yeah, I guess we'll see you, see you next year. See you next year, unless you tune in for that live stream. Um, is it Tuesday night? Is it, uh, No, Monday night. It's Monday night. Monday night. Yeah, so watch the, uh, the usual places. We'll make the posts, and the chat room will be open. Um, Usual, exactly. Usual hijinks. Yep. Um, should be a great time. Yeah, join us New Year's yeah. Eve. Yeah. If, uh, if you don't join us, uh, don't drink and drive. Be safe out there. Exactly. And uh, and if you, you do join us, don't drink and drive. Yeah. You probably and, uh, shouldn't be watching while you're driving anyway. True. Although you could listen. Seventy-three, everybody. Seventy-three. Happy New Year. What is the purpose of doing a two-tone test? That is to um, check the linearity of the signal. To what my assistant said. <laughs> <laughs> From the roof? From the roof, yes. <laughs>
signals that mix and you have a uh, basically a product of it and it causes the squelch mm-hmm. to break on your radio. Like yep. when you're driving down I-55 past High Street. Exactly like that. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to have to go cure a little intermodulation distortion right now. You want now. the modulation cure? <laughs> <laughs> you mean that mop sitting over there? <laughs> 